Hello, and welcome to episode 21 of Connectivity. I'm Scott Thompson. We've got three segments for you today. Kicking things off, Neil, Zach, and Patrick talk about news. After that, James, Josh, Alex, and Pedro get together to talk about why they play Pokemon all these years removed from the uh, first entries in the series. Lastly, Neil, Zach, and Neil's friend Mike talk about the Super Scope. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Neil Ronahan, and welcome to another rousing news edition of uh, the NWR newscast. I mean, connectivity. <laughs> um, with me today is Zachary Miller. What up? And Patrick Barnett. Hello. Um, we are decidedly East Coast heavy for the second week in a row, which is always good. Um, and I guess uh, let's just get started, and we're going to start talking about news stuff. And I think the big news, East at least for me... East Coast heavy. <laughs> what? East Coast heavy. You say that like it's a good thing. It is a good well, thing. Well, it is. <laughs> yeah, you people have Jersey. You know what? We're in the future. We're <laughs> in the past, old man. Aren't we also left-hand heavy? Like, you're left-handed, right, Neil? Yes. Yeah, so I am also a lefty. Oh, look at that. Oh, <laughs> look at this. All right. So, um, well, I guess uh, I was going to talk about news that was really near and dear to my heart, but we'll save that because uh, this is the perfect opportunity. Are we all going to get the Circle Pad Pro so we can play Kid Icarus? I have no interest like, in Kid Icarus at all, so no. Oh, I'm well, going to get I, it I for actually... Metal Gear because I have to to play Metal Gear. <laughs> I actually got the Circle Pad Pro today. Um, and, uh, basically for the entire reasoning of that, I want to play Kid Icarus Uprising, because it's, if you are left-hand dominant and you are not ambidextrous, I think that Kid Icarus Uprising is almost theoretically impossible to play. Nice. Um, so if you want to play that game, you got to shell it for 20 bucks. Have you tried the Resident Evils with it? Um, yes, I have, actually. Mm. Uh, as we'll get to later, I went to an EA event in New York City, so while I was on the train, um... I played some Resident Evil Relations with the Circle Pad, and while I don't think the game is lacking without it, I think it controls fine. This just makes it a little bit better, and kind of gives you more control. It's weapon switching because, one of the shoulder buttons. Well, okay, so I'll, I'll tell you the, the the I guess the, this will make sense to you and the other people that have played Revelations. I guess the demo even still. Hmm. Um, what it does is that basically then you have you know it's it's a it's a dual stick shooter now, at least hmm. third person. Um, and you hit L, and that will bring up the aiming reticle, and then R2, because um, there's the two R buttons, that's, that's fire. Oh. And that's also, like, pick up items when so you're out of that. So it's like uh, Resident Evil 5 now. Yeah, that's what it controls a lot more like, as far as I know. I've never really, I think I played the demo for 5, and that was it. But from what I have heard from other people, it controls like Resident Evil 5. Nice. Um, okay. The other R button is the melee, always. Like, that's it defaults to that. Oh, that's nice. Um, I mean, I think weapon switching is the same, because, right, that's uh, using, like, the D-pad left for the sub-weapon and the yeah. D-pad right for the other weapon. That's what I was hoping would be switched to a shoulder button, really, but whatever. Yeah. I mean, I don't, like, I mean, that's one thing that, like, I'll admit it's a little clumsy in-game, but because you never really have more than, like, three or four weapons at one time, it seems. You only have three is the max. Okay, then it's not really that big of a deal. Um, right now I'm uh, halfway through Chapter 3, and I like it a whole lot. And I have to say the one thing that's really sticking out to me is how the, the demo that everyone played, when you get to that section in the game, it's actually completely different. 
Really? I mean, you're still yeah. going through the same yeah. locale. You're not but Jill. It's you're uh, different. Yeah, you're you're uh, in. I know you're you're, you're still in a Jill, different room. But... I know, but you're in a different room than you started. Yeah, but I mean, it's like the, it's the same location, but I mean, it's like you're on the boat. You're on the boat still, but like the order of things just changed up, and you're doing different things. Like for example, you start without a gun for the majority of that segment. Yeah, as opposed to the other one where like you. You woke up and you had a gun for and some that's, reason. And that's where you learn to dodge. And I think yeah. dodging is pretty stodgy. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think I did it twice, but that was mostly by accident. Yeah, me too. But getting off the circle pad, which I look forward to playing Metal Gear Solid 3D with when it comes out, because I think that's another game that's mostly impossible to play without it. Um, <laughs> before actually, we before I, we move away from the circle pad, I actually went out today to try and buy it at two different GameStops. Yeah, I believe I saw that on Twitter yeah. as uh, as I was going out to go pick mine up at a GameStop that I pre-ordered that. I didn't pre-order it, and both of them told me they didn't have any non-pre-ordered. And stuff. Yeah, because uh, what, what I found out, because um, I pre-ordered, I went in and I actually did a the, the double gamut of pre-ordering the Circle Pad Pro and Xenoblade um, um. on Saturday. So, you know, like three days before the Circle Pad Pro came out. But the people at the GameStop were, like, baffled that I was pre-ordering the Circle Pad Pro. <laughs> Um, and then, like, you know, talked to them about it, and I was asking them, because I was curious, I was like, is that a Xenoblade really doing well? And they're like, as far as we know, around this region, no. <laughs> like, no one's pre-ordering them. I'm sure there are people that are pre-ordering Xenoblade, and, you know, probably less people pre-ordering the Circle Pad. Yeah. But, I mean, I just feel like that's almost like a failure in, in this whole, like, exclusive to GameStop mentality. Because I know that GameStop is notorious for, if they don't get pre-orders, they'll get, like, one of a game. Yep. In this case, they got two Circle Pad Pros. I had one pre-ordered, and they had one for the floor. So, if the store got any, in addition to any pre-orders, you're lucky. And I'm guessing Patrick's not lucky. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to try and go to Best Buy to go pick it up, and then I remembered the exclusive at uh, GameStop. <laughs> yeah. It's quite that's a not, I mean, that's part of the reason why I ended up pre-ordering it, because... I, I follow that same logic as you. It's that I'm usually stubborn and don't want to pre-order. Yeah. So I'll, I'll just go there and like, oh, it doesn't have it. I'll just go to Best Buy or Walmart or Target or whatever. But in this case, it made sense. And I, I, I really like. I, I think the Circle Pad Pro is really cool. Good. Um, we really got off the news bandwagon here, but I think <laughs> yeah. it was worthwhile. I think people want to know about the Circle Pad Pro. Sure. I would. I would give it. I mean, yeah, it's a little bulky. I think it's still kind of comfortable. I expect impressions, Neil. <laughs> you probably will. It's just that I, I've been out all day. <laughs> I also got to write impressions about Zuma's Revenge for DS, but oh, we'll get to that later. Um, so the, these Kid Icarus AR cards, right? Um, they showed this off at E3 a little bit, and it was just kind of, uh, I mean, not really anything special. They just showed off, like, look, you can put the two cards in front of the camera, and then you'll see two people battle, and it's random. Eye of Judgment. Um, 3DS. I mean, more or less, except for there was nothing. Like, it was just random. Uh, I don't oh. think we really have too many details as to what exactly it'll entail, but each copy of the game is going to come with six cards, randomly, out of an assortment that we don't know of. Right. Along um, with stupid. the stand. Along with the stand. <laughs> and you might buy the Circle Pad Pro when you go get it. So, yeah. Kid Icarus <laughs> is looking to be quite the, uh, the uh, a big package, I guess. I was looking for a different synonym, but it's late here. <laughs> it's going to come in one of the giant Wii box. <laughs> yeah. You'll, you'll think that it's going to come in a Skylanders box. Like, that's how big it is. <laughs> um, but, yep, yep. That's Kid Icarus. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that game. Uh, especially how positive on it Aaron was. 
And uh, as a little bit of a, a hot tip for everybody, I believe that Aaron's going to be going back to be trying out the multiplayer, um, I think, in about a week or two. So oh. we'll have more impressions on that. Also, Mario Party 9, Aaron's going to check that out at the end of the month. I wish I wish I could bring myself to give a shit about that game, but I just don't. I don't know why either. Let's just put off the news even more, because um, <laughs> <laughs> I was actually reading a little bit about that. Because more more information is coming out about that game, and I think I made the comment somewhere that this is the shot in the arm the series needed five or six iterations ago. Um, Kid Icarus. It seems like it's it's well no no not Kid Icarus uh, Mario Party Nine. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, you were talking about Kid Icarus, not Mario yeah. Party Nine. No. Oh, okay. No, nobody gives a shit about Mario Party 9. Are you kidding me? But it actually looks like it's doing, like, like it is different. Like, mm-hmm. after after eight eight games that were more or less the same damn thing with slight variations, like touch controls or, or, or a microphone or right. shake the remote. Um, I mean, Mario Party 8, let's get real, it's just a bunch of masturbation games. <laughs> like, I realized that when I was I'm playing I'm incredibly good at those games. That we just, like, the... I mean, I, I was amazed at my prowess, too. <laughs> but it was just the kind of thing I realized, like, with most of the games, if you if they involved any kind of motion, you'd just have four people going furiously, like, fapping, like, no one's business. Um, Circle jerk. Yeah. But, I mean, Mario Party 9, I don't really know the quality of the minigames. I haven't really seen too much about that. But it's, like, it's different. You're actually doing different things in this game. And that looks pretty cool. Um, I look forward to finding out more concrete information as opposed to this, like, wistful, like, there's no coins. You don't go for bigger stars. There's a bunch of, like, littler stars. There's a mode where you all move in the same, like, you're all in a vehicle. And when you yeah. roll the die, everyone moves. So you can almost, like, set people up to get screwed. <laughs> nice. Um, and then, like, the boss battles and everything. Like, it looks like it's going to be pretty cool. I don't know huh. if that... At this stage in the game, and, and you know, now that I'm getting into my mid-twenties and I'm not exactly, like, hanging out with my friends down by the schoolyard, and we're like, yo, let's ruin our Nintendo 64 controllers. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm not really the age for a Mario Party game, I think. No. But if I were, oh, man, I, I, I can't wait for this game. But You know, spe- speaking of Mario Party. That's a good segue, sir. Right. Keep, keep on going. <laughs> Speaking of Mario Party, uh, Nintendo uh, went ahead and released some new uh, Club Nintendo downloadable games. Uh, un- unfortunately, only two of them. Uh, one of them is Mario Party 2 for the N64, which and the other from one what I've Ar- heard is like the best Mario Party. Yeah, it's also the only one on Virtual Console. I don't right. think three might have... One or three might have come out in Japan. I don't. I think two is the only one out in North America. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, and, well, I mean, the main thing with this one is that Mario Party One had a lot of those N sixty four controller killing mini games, and this kind of tweaked it. Yeah, I um, remember. I remember enjoying it. I, th- I think I remember enjoying it. Uh, and then the other game is Art Academy for the DS High, which I don't really care about. Yeah, um, it's it's the first one. This actually came out in retail form mm-hmm. somewhat. I think it was a year ago. Um, I mean, yeah. from the people that I know that play it, it seems fun, but I'm not really into that kind of Art Academy game. It's by Headstrong Games. They're the people who made House of the Dead Overkill and the Battalion Wars games. Oh, interesting change so it does have, it does there. Have a, it does have a decent pedigree, yeah, so it that's does. cool. Hmm. Um, but yeah, those are the new Club Nintendo games. You can get them... Um, I think they're 150 coins. Yeah, they're 150 coins, coins each. And let's hope for better games next yeah. month. 
And, uh, and however, but before it was like uh, we got two batches of three, right? And it was almost like I think the first one ended like January fifteenth, and the next one ended like January thirty first or something. This one's for the entirety of February. Yeah. So it looks like monthly we're gonna get new games, which is pretty cool. And then, uh, and then of course, there's a new reward that's not a downloadable game. It's a 3DS slash DS uh, game case that holds 18 games. It looks pretty yeah, sexy. Like, I, it, I it actually is, just got one. Yeah, I, I got mine yesterday, and then after putting all, I have 13 3DS games. Oh, wow. It's crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> but after after putting those in and a couple DS games, I was like, wow, this is really cool. I'm going to go on Club Nintendo and order another one. So Does it I snap got, shut? Yes. It's basically okay. it's a DS game case. Well, my DS game case from them that with the foam interior does not close. Well, no, no. no. What, what I mean by that is like you know the when you go to buy a game and you give right. someone else money and they give you a game in a case, yeah. it's a case like that. Oh, sweet. See through. Um, but and then it has the spots. There's you know nine on each side, and then they have these cool um, reversible four covers, different right. reversible cover. Well, they're not really reversible. I guess some of them are because oh. some of them are just like Nintendo characters. Other ones. It's like um, like there's like a Zelda one and a Mario one and a 3DS one that will like nice. say like 18 game card case on the front and have like you know Mario or Zelda designs and on the in- on the interior for every spot where a game would go there's like some kind of icon. So actually how I have it set Sweet. up now is I think I have the Zelda one on the outside and the Mario one on the inside because when you I mean I don't know if you've opened it Zach but I have I know I ordered it I was what I meant. Oh, okay oh. right before right. we started podcasting I ordered it. Um, but it comes, like, it comes with those four reversible covers, but they're all, like, inside, like, they're all put together inside the plastic around it, so I didn't really, like, I didn't know where I was going to put them if I took them out, so I just left the four of them in there. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's really sharp. I, I highly recommend it. I mean, compared to those other game cases, like, the ones that you were referring to, yeah. it's, it's only 250 coins, which is, like, a steal compared to yeah, that. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Just in general, it's a steal. Yeah, for um, the other Club Nintendo stuff, it really is. The other thing that was a steal when uh, when it first came out, if you got it for the the thirty thirty five dollar price that it was, was Radiant Historia, which oh, is look at you. I think probably <laughs> one of the best RPGs on the entirety of the DS. I'm gonna get it if it comes back. Yeah, I really. I am. mean, I I highly recommended that if you did not get this game, you should try to find it cheap and then cry and then hope that Atlas <laughs> gets a reprint. Because really, I mean, I, I I'm embarrassed to say that I have not finished this game because what happened was I got it played the crap out of it, and then before I finished it, Pokemon Black and White came out. Or <laughs> gotcha. I think I think Zach and I were on the review, so I got oh, it a little yeah. bit early. So I was just like, well, I want to keep on playing Radiant Historia, but I have to review Pokemon. This is such a painful operation here. <laughs> I'll have to put down this really great game and play this other really great game. And they're both RPGs. You know, that's the thing. It's, like, it's not like the kind of game that it's like, well, I can still play Pokemon. I'll just go it's, back and play Radiant it's Historia. It's not like Mutant Muds. <laughs> Yeah, it's not like it's like it's like mutant muds and and an RPG. It's like two in depth RPGs here. Right. But I highly recommend uh, people get that if Atlas actually does a reprint. Because what happened was that Atlas USA um, posted something on Twitter that was like, in theoretically, if we were to do this, would you care? Um, <laughs> and people do care, so I, I think it's pretty likely that we'll see a reprint. Nice. Um. And the the big news that I talked about being near and dear to my heart at the beginning of this, it's really giant news. Skylanders Giants <laughs> well, is coming this there. fall. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, this is. This uh, is a... I'm hanging up. <laughs> <laughs> this has been filled with great segues and terrible puns. <laughs> um, 
But Skylanders Giants got announced, which is basically, um, I mean, it's a sequel to Skylanders. And the big hook with this is that it, it adds giant characters, which <laughs> they appear to be roughly twice the size, you know, give or take, of the regular characters. And that also represents, you know, that like they are twice the size of the regular characters in the game, too. So um, they're going to be able to sell more expensive toys. Is yeah, the yeah, pretty much. Twice I mean, the price too. It is brilliant. <laughs> is <laughs> like, it the whole? <laughs> let, let's not, let's not beat around the bush here. Like Skylanders is a ton of fun. It's also from like a marketing and profit standpoint is brilliant. And like this announcement was just like, well, as a gamer, this sounds really cool. It sounds like it's adding to the game, adding some new tweaks and everything. And as like if I were like an investor, I'd be like, good job, guys, keep up the good work. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, it's gonna add, it's weird, in the press release it said 20 new characters, and then it made the point of saying that there will be 8 giants and 8 new regular sized figures, so maybe there will hmm. be more in addition that they're not talking about yet, I don't know. I, I wonder if you'll be able to use your old figures. I think oh, you will, new yeah, game. yeah okay. that, that is 100% confirmed, and all, like, they're leveling up and everything will be saved as well. Oh, nice. So that's nice. This is uh, this announcement made me really consider. I'm thinking about going out and getting the original Skylanders now because I think it came down in price to fifty dollars for the oh, it did. the bundle. Oh, that would be. Good. Really? I mean, you know why? Because they're not selling the bundle. If oh. you look in stores, oh. Oh, well, well, I mean, like obviously it gets sold once. Yeah. But they're but... not selling the bundle in as much quantity as they're selling all the individual figures. Yeah, I was gonna say it's gotcha. all the figurines that are sold out everywhere. Yeah, I mean that's the thing, is like I actually um I stopped you in the You guys should world... come up here, I see them all over the place. Oh my god, Zach, we might have to talk after this for serious. We can start a <laughs> ring. We'll make tons of money. Oh my god. I've actually I have some that I still haven't opened because after reviewing it, like I I mean I, I put a lot of time into both the three D S and the Wii version in like a week. I think less than so I can get the review up by the embargo. Because yeah. at the time, like even before I got the review, and I was, I was like, I think this game is going to be kind of cool, and I think it's going to be the, like the biggest thing of the year. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm smart, you know. Trendsetters, <laughs> what you are. But I, I still have a couple that are sealed. Because what happened, like after it came out, you know, I was playing other games and got wrapped up in that. Didn't really go back to Skylanders, but I had that collector mentality where I was just like, oh shit, these new guys came out, I got to go out and get them. <laughs> and then once I had. Um, like, two of the, like, I finally opened one of, like, the, because I got the, the two, like, the ghost set and the, like, the, the water set, the pirate ship set, which is, like, it comes with a new level, some items, and a new figure. So I had two of those sealed, and I think I have about six figures sealed as well. Once I had that, I was like, I was like, I had the two new guys in my hand, and I was just like, you know what? I can save these 16 bucks right here. I do not need to get these. I might, you know, I might not touch this game again, despite the fact that I really want to. Um, and I, I really, I love the same Skylanders games. They're, they're so good. Um, but yeah, the sequel seems really cool. It's definitely coming to Wii 360 and PS3. Mentions handheld and mobile devices, which kind of insinuates 3DS, but doesn't really make it that clear. It worries me slightly. Um, but I uh, reached out to Activision about that, and the response, and I got multiple responses from different people involved with Activision, basically saying, like, either, you know, this is all we have to announce right now, but we might have more later, smiley face, or, like, <laughs> hey, look, it says handheld. That doesn't rule it out. Eh. So really? I think I think a 3DS game is coming. But I think that mention of handheld also means that it's likely coming to Vita as well. And face. as I was telling you guys before the show, 
I don't think that Wii U will see Skylanders at launch. Although I think that would be a pretty huge coup if it does see it at launch. That'd be awesome. Um, that would sell systems. But because I think I think Skylanders Giants is going to come out in that September window like it did last year, which I think will be before Wii U comes out. Um, so I think I'm going to say March 2013 for Skylanders Wii U. Um, that's going to hold you to that. Yeah, I mean, that's my prediction. And while we're at it, I, I was adamant about this in some forum thread, but uh, um, I need to look up the exact date, but I will tell you <laughs> when Wii U is going to come out. Oh, November sure. 18, 2012. You're a Book crazy it. person. Like go go to a go to a store where you can pre-order and just be like, I would like to pre-order Wii U for when it comes out on November eighteenth, two thousand twelve. Um, because you'll probably have to pre-order, and I'm not gonna be like the like a radio for Nintendo and be like, yeah, you can just walk <laughs> in and get a Wii the day it comes out. Like, I think this, I think this might be a little hard to find. Um, maybe I don't know. It might not have as much goodwill as the Wii. Oh, people buy it. Is November eighteenth the day the Wii came out back in two thousand six? It might actually be. I think. It uh, I mean, I, I'm saying that more not not because of any coincidence with that. Although I, I think you are right because I'm trying to think. I think that was a a Saturday last year. No, it might not. No, it was a Sunday. It came out on a Sunday. Well, no. Well, I mean, I'm talking about when it would be this year because oh, I know I see people because it was a five year anniversary. Wikipedia says the Wii came out November 19th. So. Okay, yeah. So it was a Saturday this year, and because of leap year, that means it's a Monday. That was the math I was doing in my head. Interesting. <laughs> um, but, I mean, it's just it's that Sunday before Thanksgiving. Sun, or yeah. more accurately, the Sunday before Black Friday. And that's right. that's when their, their big-ticket holiday game always comes out, or their big-ticket holiday system. Um, the Wii did it. The DS did it. God damn it. So <laughs> is the Wii U. I will believe you. Yeah. Book it. Heck, that's when the GameCube launched too back in yeah, November. Yeah, GameCube. I mean, only I mean the 3DS coming out in March was the the outlier. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you could go back further. Like I think you know N64 was September. I think. I but, don't remember that. I mean, and I, then in Europe it's all screwed up because like the stuff gets delayed until the next year. It's weird. Yeah. You could also um, say the DSi was a spring release, but that's probably yeah. not really doesn't count. <laughs> No. But, all right. I love my DSi. So I went to this EA event today. Right. um, With the promise of, uh, I was told by EA PR that there would be a 3DS game there. I'm all excited, thinking there was going to be this new 3DS game reveal. Madden 2013? Uh, No, no, there is no new 3DS game for, for, from from EA. The the DS game that was on, on show was Zuma's Revenge. Made by PopCap, but you know, okay. probably going to be a cool game. Um, if you guys are familiar with Zuma, it's it's addictive. It's a lot of fun. The stuff with the frogs and like <laughs> that some kind of Middle American past stuff, Mayan, Incan. I don't know what the imagery is, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that. I mean, I, I I played that and got addicted to it and had to break myself break myself away, and then wound up playing their new Facebook game, Solitaire Blitz, which is fantastic. Um, and I, and I played that and got addicted to that, and then I then I broke myself away. Um, <laughs> but that that was really the only Nintendo things that were there. But um, I did have fun checking out other games. Uh, that Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning game looks like it's going to be pretty cool. Um, I played some of uh, the upcoming DLC, which technically I cannot talk about 
honestly, because I have not played the actual game, I don't really think I could say anything of, of relevancy about that. It just looks good. Cool. Like, I want to play that game, but not the DLC. I want to play the actual game. Huh. Um, there was also uh, Tiger Woods Connect, which yeah. I talked about uh, with the developer there. About like I was like, yeah, I mean, you guys broke my heart by not having it come to Wii. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he made a comment about, like, well, you know, the Wii's pretty much dead, and we agreed on that, duh. And then he did make some comment about Wii U, and I was just like, hey, the dude has that golf demo, and he made a face, and it's gonna happen. But it'll happen next year. Or possibly, it, I mean, Tiger Woods has the potential of being a Wii U launch title. It does, um, yeah, that's... I could see that happening. I mean, EA proved with a Madden on 3DS last year that they're not really afraid to kind of release a launch title not in the the window that they normally release the game, which yeah. for Tiger Woods is now March after being June for a while. Um, but the the Kinect stuff for Tiger Woods looks uh, that like I was very, very impressed by that. It's probably the most impressed I've been by a Kinect game. Really? Um, though, I mean, it just it, it reads your swing very, very well. Like, in all honesty, better than Motion Plus. Because at the end of the day, I really like Tiger Woods on Wii with Motion Plus, but you can still kind of game it. Like, you don't need to actually yeah. swing like you're, like you you're playing golf. You don't have to do a full swing. Yeah, like, I played that one-handed a lot. Like, I had fun with it, don't get me wrong. And if you do kind of buy into it and do the whole golf swing, it still works. And, I mean, it, it reads your swing. But you can also game it and not actually do a full swing. Um, I uh, I play Dead or Alive Extreme one-handed a lot. <laughs> in, fact, in fact, it's designed to be played with one hand, oddly enough. It's a weird game, but yes, um, it is. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't doing that while watching Tiger Woods. Like that's just weird. <laughs> um, but I mean, the Connect game it, it really works, and it it felt really nice. And as someone who does golf from time to time, I I did get a hole in one the other year, which was really oh. cool. Um, it was like in a real flip. life. Yeah, yeah, oh, like a legitimate yeah. hole I in you're one. Talking about just a game. <laughs> no, no, um. Because, uh, well, I mean, Patrick, you would probably know um, up in the Poconos, I'll go yeah, golfing yeah. with my dad also around here. I mean, my, my dad likes to golf a lot, so I go golfing. And one time I was in the Poconos with my dad, and it was like a par three hole. It's it's like a... It's an East Coast thing, Zach. It's a, it's a <laughs> mildly mountainous range that used to be a popular vacation spot like 30 years ago. It's in like the, the northeast corner of Pennsylvania. The the region is called the Poconos. Yes. Um, <laughs> but um, I w- it was a par three, and I had this terrible tee shot that kind of like like it was going towards the t- towards the green and kind of veered to the left because I have a pretty bad left slice. Um, and it landed, it bounced off a tree, and just rolled all the way across the green. It just dropped in the hole. Oh That's... my god! <laughs> it was the kind of thing where I just looked at my dad and I'm like, that did not just happen. That's and sure amazing. enough, it was a hole in one. On that same course at another time, I also got, like, uh, I was, it was a par 5, and I was, like, 150 yards out, and I just got this miracle roll into the hole and got, like, a, I guess, what is it, two unders and eagle? Eagle. Yeah. yeah. Wow. You but, sound more talented than I at golf. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty much, like, these are picking two highlights after playing this sport for 20 years, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not it's, golfing with you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not honestly that good. I just have the occasional moment where I'm decent. <laughs> Um, but I mean, the, the golf game for Kinect, really, really good. It's probably, outside of like the goofy shit, like the gun stringer, and like, I mean, Child of Eden looks kind of cool in Kinect. Um, yeah. 
it, this is this is the first game that after playing it, like um, my brother's a big, I mean, my brother's a big golfer as well, and a big fan of the Tiger Woods games. Um, and I told him I was just like, like we need to somehow steal a connect or something because we gotta play this. It's awesome. Um, like like really really impressed. And the one thing as far as other stuff that I played with connect, not that I played it too much, but it doesn't have that bullshit where like you gotta hold up your hand and like keep it there for five seconds to select stuff. How this does menu navigation is like, you know, you move your hand to go through stuff and you just do a swipe. So instead of holding your hand there, it's like, it makes makes menu navigation a lot less painful. Good. It's because it's just, and yeah. Because it's just like, you know, moving your hand up and down and then just a swipe when you get to what you want. And it's really, really easy to do. Nice. Like, I mean, of course there was still a little jankiness, which, I mean, you can blame it a little bit on the fact that, like, you know, we were in a a room where there were all these game demos going on, but yeah, I I, I really want to play more of that game. And they also have that <laughs> weird. Uh, I don't know if anyone saw about the the Tiger Woods through the ages stuff. No, um, it's like no. this legacy mode where like you start off as Tiger Woods as a two year old, <laughs> and you go through and like you can unlock like Tiger Woods as a two year old to play in the real game. Okay, but like when you first get Tiger Woods as a two year old, like his max is like he can hit it like 125 yards tops. But apparently there is some sort of pin that you can get that you can make little little two-year-old Tiger Woods hit it like adult Tiger Woods. Um, which that's pretty much if I ever, if I ever were to play this game, that's what I would do. Um, so it's like it's like the, uh, that. Do you remember that old baseball movie where that kid hurts his shoulder and ends up being like the fast rookie ball of the kid? year? Yeah. <laughs> or it's like uh, the. I think 2K had, like, a Michael Jordan thing that was somewhat similar to this. Um, there was the Wayne Gretzky stuff in NHL Slapshot the other year. Um, oh. I mean, it, it seems kind of neat that you're going through his career. Although it was funny because they did show a trailer about this. And they, they went through it all. And I was just waiting the entire time. I was like, show Evil Tiger with the goatee. Show <laughs> Evil Tiger with the goatee. And sure enough, at the end of the trailer, they just got, like, Evil Tiger with the goatee looking over his empire. Nice. It's just like he's, like... the fucking uh scarface just being like Haha, look at me <laughs> but um and then he dies or something and like a hail of gunfire i don't know hmm. i don't know how to finish a story ea is gonna have to tell me how to do that next year there you go um what else was cool at that ea event ssx looks fantastic i cannot wait to play more of that game i know if mike scones was here we'd probably just start another podcast about ssx <laughs> i mean it's snowboarding You've kind of probably played it before, but you just haven't played 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 it in the past like five years because I don't think there's been a new relevant snowboarding game since I guess Amp Three at the Xbox 360 launch. Hey, don't forget about uh, what Wii SSX ski Blur? and ski oh. and snowboard. <laughs> Ironically, EA forgets about SSX Blur because they kept on mentioning about how you know this is the first SSX game for this generation of consoles. And I'm just like sitting there. I'm like, did did you guys forget that you put out a an SSX game on Wii three years ago? <laughs> or no, I think that actually, oh, wow, that, that was, was in like 2007, five years ago. You should have raised your launch, hand. Yeah, that was another one. Um, because Kurt Schelling was there for uh, the Amalur Reckoning game, and he talked about uh the World Series game when he was against the Yankees. And if you were any sort of baseball fan, um, you would know that. Wait a minute. He was talking about, you know, when he was playing on the Red Sox, Game 7 against the Yankees. Like, I don't know. You idiots. 
I mean, there's there's a chance he could have been referring to uh, the game seven again when um, when the Yankees played the Diamondbacks and he was on the Diamondbacks, but he was referring he was he was making all those Red Sox against the Yankees cracks all day. So um, anyway, um, anyway, yeah, SSX looks very very good. Um, I asked them if they got any kind of influence from 1080 Avalanche at the behest of Johnny Metz, who asked that right. to me on Twitter. They basically said that like they they watched a bunch of snowboarding documentaries and played every snowboarding game under the sun. <laughs> so there was no direct influence, but I mean, it seems like a lot of the snowboarding games are all fundamentally similar, almost. Um, oh yeah. But this looks very good. And I played hmm. some Mass Effect Three. I don't know what the hell's going on. It seems fun. It's like a sci-fi <laughs> movie that I'm in. That's cool. <laughs> um. Yeah. So that's the A. Then I got nothing else. Nice. I look forward to not playing most of those games. <laughs> I mean, really, I came away from it like I would like to play Amalur Reckoning at some point. It looks good. It looks like what I want Sky, what I wanted Skyrim to be. Mm-hmm. Like a little, I mean, it's kind of like, it looks like it's more like Skyrim meets God of War meets Fable meets, you know, a bunch of other games. But it seems like it might be pretty cool. I'll probably wait to, for a price drop and see what the yeah. buzz is about it. SSX, um, I really want, but I don't think I'd chill out 60 bucks for no. And Mass Effect 3, I, I did not play the first two. I don't think I'm going to go ahead and spend $60 on this one. Hmm. Um. Cool. But, yup, yup, yup. Hmm. Pop, pop! Yeah! <laughs> did I you guys see got... that? It... Oh, I guess. Never mind. Go ahead. I was going to say the NBC Super Bowl commercial with Dude, Canadian. that was excellent. That was excellent. <laughs> the, the Brotherhood of Men. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big sucker for how to succeed in business without really trying in general. But Wait. once, like, like, I heard about this commercial, I didn't really know anything else about it other than, like, the community guys were in it. And I was like, oh, that's Oh, cool. yeah, yeah. So it starts off with, you know, the people of, the people of 30 Rock, and then Alec Baldwin starts going into singing the Brotherhood of Men yep. from how to succeed in business without really trying. And then they go through every NBC show. It's it really it awesome. <laughs> I like I like the Ferris Bueller one. That was my favorite. I thought that was good. stupid. Really, uh, I, I think I tweeted about this. Now we're really getting off topic. Uh, um, the Super Bowl this year felt like a series of car commercials with some football in between. <laughs> that did seem to be a predominant commercial. I mean, man, oh man, I've never seen so many car commercials. Like half the car, half of those car commercials were like, Detroit's getting back to normal, yo. Yeah, Clint Eastwood leading the fight for justice. Oh man, what was that? How much did they pay him, that poor yeah. man? Is, this, um, is that what his career's become now? I mean, he's still directing movies. So. Yeah, he is. But I thought the commercials were pretty terrible this year. Yeah, I there were very few funny ones. There, there, I mean, there were a couple good ones, but I mean, just on 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 the whole, really really poor level. Yeah, the game was good though. Yeah, yeah, it was an entertaining game. Would have been cool if uh, Brady actually threw a bomb at the very end and <laughs> yeah. and yeah. Uh, got that touchdown. But screw him anyway. <laughs> it's really, I mean, like I like I've said before, as as a Packers fan who does not like the Patriots that much either. The uh, the field could not collapse, a la the Dark Knight Rises trailer. So I was just hoping for a good game, and that's what I got. <laughs> and I happen to be naturally, I happen to be in New York City during the fucking parade. So, oh, <laughs> I, I mean, I w- wasn't during the actual parade, but like everyone was still in the city by the time I was walking through. 
Because that's where, like, when I first heard the parade, I was like, oh, no, I might not have to go to this event. Because if it was actually, like, if I had to take a train into the city right before this parade, I would not get in. <laughs> like, I would just be stuck. I was oh, actually yeah. reading, uh, I mean, there were, trains were delayed all over the place because of this. I, like, shut Stur- down parts of the subway during the parade. Stur- Super Bowl. Yeah. It's only good when the Packers are in. So it's only been good I about... I agree. It's only been good about four or five times. And that fifth time they lost, so that wasn't really that cool either. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm actually writing, uh... We, we can probably cut this part, but... We can uh, probably I'm, end the show. We can probably end the show. We're um, talking about the Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> thanks for coming, guys. Scott's just going to yeah, cut the last yeah. 10 yeah. minutes. Send, send, uh, <laughs> send an email to connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com. Oh, and thank um, you, everybody, for putting yeah, up new reviews. They're really nice. We've had some great iTunes reviews. Keep it coming, guys. Um, <laughs> that's how we, you know, it's a good way for us to get out to more people. Um, iTunes and reviews uh, more than one person has uh, said they like Jeopardy, so we must be doing something right there. Yeah. Um, I'd like to announce the possibility that we might have a Connectivity Live Jeopardy at PAX East. Um, we're waiting panel approval. Which, right. in all honesty, I'm not really too hopeful for. Uh, I assume that we will have another RFM panel. So there will be hope for you guys yet. If you would like to hear Nintendo World Report people live at PAX and meet us. We won't even be able to go. Maybe even eat food with us. We'll probably do dim sum again, which was delicious. Mmm, um, dim sum. But, yeah, uh, there is still that small glimmer of hope that we might be doing Connectivity Jeopardy live. Don't worry, I'll write the yeah, questions. Zach, there won't be any pro Zach wrestling will, answers. Zach will probably write the questions since I don't think he. I think he's the person that is guaranteed to not be there. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, it'll be at E3. Weirdly enough, I, I might be the only person from the actual podcast that's there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll be hosting then. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it, it would be pretty cool if we get it. And uh, yeah. Yeah, you it. can you can get you can get the three audience members who actually come to the panel to be the contestants yeah and if you want to uh check us out on twitter because usually we talk and we have conversations that might lead to future episodes i'm uh at n-r-o-n-1-0 this is where i am at z miller 1902 i believe i'm at papatch 15 i'm really not sure (laughs) i think that's right that sounds that that sounds about right that's because you were born in 2015 right exactly (laughs) He's one of the young guys. <laughs> All right. Thank you. <sighs> Thanks for being on. Bye. Yeah. Bye, everybody. See ya.
This is our Why Do We Play Pokemon segment. My name is Josh Max, and with me today we have Alex, James, and Pedro. Yo. And uh, today we're going to talk about why we still play the games that have... Uh, why do we still keep playing Pokemon, really? Because um, a, uh, a little while ago I wrote a blog post because I recently restarted Soul Silver, and my roommate asked me why I played it, and I never really thought about it. Uh, and honestly, I just kind of played it because it was fun. I never really went past that. Well, I never really analyzed it. Um, and, you know, my friend who was with me at the time said that it was uh, it was not so much about the story. It was about the world. And I said, well, the stories were also pretty good, but that's not the reason why I play. And then I kind of realized that lots of people play Pokemon for lots of different reasons. And, I mean, I have a friend who just really wants to make, you know, the perfect Lucario. And literally has boxes of Lucarios, just, you know, like, of eggs, just trying to get that perfect nature and then getting the perfect EVs, and that's why he plays. And, you know, others play for the the story. They always want to see, like, you know, see what Team Plasma is all about. Like, maybe you are the bad guy this time. And then uh, there's people like me. Um, and I I played it because, specifically Soul Silver. Um, because I want to be the very best, like no one ever was. To train them is my real test. No, it's not. To catch them is my real test, but to train them is my cause. That's... Okay, moving on. Um, I, I, but I, I played because I, I like, you know, I like going against the Elite Four and the Champion, but I really, really want to beat, like, Red or Cynthia, like the ultimate champion, like the strongest trainers. Like, I want to be Stronger than them. I want. I want to go on that journey with with that with the Pokemon, and you know, be able to take take on those challenges and come out the other side. And that the the Pokemon theme song rings true to me, uh, and that's that's kind of why I play. <laughs> uh, yeah. Where do you put legendaries? Like how? Do you- oh no, that I collect them, and I will. I will. You know, train with them a bit, but I I don't usually use them and like I don't usually travel around with around with them too much because I just I feel like their their yeah. their stats are ridiculous. It's it's not even fair. Yeah, I'm the same. I always put them in the box right uh, the PC right after I'm done collecting yeah. them. I mean, granted, I, with the with the shiny uh, Suicune, I, I've been I've been training that thing a little bit. It's fun. I know I like that. But aside from that one, I don't really. I, I, I don't use any of them. I just feel like it's unfair. Well, I, I think it's fair. You caught it. You have to to battle it. It's yours. You get to do whatever you want. Is it? So I imagine a little trainer going, Hey, go! Cheeky puff! Oh, fuck you. Go, Diaga! Kill the fucker! But why would you do that? It's You have this giant steel horse master of time... Why would you do that to a little Jigglypuff? <laughs> I mean, granted, in the at the end of Black and White, the whole Zekrom versus Reshiram thing, that's totally justified. You just but... spoiled it for me. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm so sorry. And for me. <laughs> okay, well, there's, you have, there's a legendary battle. Um, <laughs> Spoiler alert. That's, to- sure. that's totally justified, in my mind. But aside from that, it's like, it's like throwing out, like, a... a like a Charizard at a Rattata. It's just not... Why would you do that? I don't know, because I can. I want to be a pastor every once in a while in a video game. 
<laughs> All right. <laughs> that that makes me sad a little bit. Well, aren't they banned on online competition? Yeah, they are usually. As are like Ubers, like uh, like Garchomp. Well, see, that makes sense because it's a competition, and they want to make sure that everybody is balanced and playing fair. I, that I agree. It makes sense to ban them in an online competition. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not arguing that. I'm I just I I also agree with those things, like though in in my own game. Now, what about like legendaries that are kind of like. Entei or Zapdos, like they're not technically banned, but they're still kind of legendary. I mean, it's if, in my mind, if they're legendary, I don't see why I would use them. Like, I'd rather, I'd rather have a strong team. That's why, that's why I'm currently like nuzlocking right now because I, I want to try out, like, I want to try them all out. I want to have a team I, I never thought I'd have before. I don't want to feel like I have to use legendaries all the time. But was it always this way, or... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, I, I... We were... No, we never did that. We never... I'm just thinking about it now. I don't think I've ever done that, aside from when Gold and Silver first came out, and we just wanted so, to see who was more powerful, Lugia or Ho-Oh. Because in the first game, like, once you caught Mewtwo, like, it just wasn't fair. Not if everyone had Mewtwo. <laughs> well, oh, yeah, because back then... Oh yeah, back then there was there was, psychic wasn't really weak to anything but psychic, uh, and now it's just okay. But moving on, uh, Pedro, uh, you had a pretty you had a pretty interesting response. Well, uh, why you still play Pokemon? Well, okay, um, the reason that I keep playing Pokemon actually before I explain my story, I have to say that back when uh, Ruby and Sapphire came out, I. I skipped them because at that point I was getting kind of tired of Pokemon. So I, because not everybody was playing it, all of my friends were going, eh, Pokemon, whatever. So I skipped Pokemon, Ruby and Sapphire. I skipped the red and green remakes on the GBA. But then in 2007, a friend of mine gave me a copy of Pokemon Diamond. Say, oh, whatever, I don't have that many DS games. I'm going to play whatever. Uh, so I started playing, and this is this is really fun. I remember now why I liked it. A hundred hours later, this game is awesome. So, anyways, I went from being a pathetic, being a big fan when I was a, a younger, then being a pathetic in the with Ruby and Sapphire, and then I went back to Pokemon full time with Pokemon Diamond. Um, the reason why I keep playing Pokemon to this day is because even though the world is really simple when you start playing, hey, you're this little boy, you are going to catch Pokemans and going to battle with them, whatever. There's a lot going on in this world that at first you don't notice, but then when you do, you're like, holy crap, that's deep, you know, because there's this world, this, this Pokemon world, Ruled by these creatures that are linked to the fabric of time and space, and these creatures control the whole universe beyond um, the physical, the, our, our physical beings. I mean, you, for example, you have Mewtwo, where that was cloned from an ancient Pokemon that went crazy with power and killed a lot of people. Then you're this little boy fighting against these. Um, evil people that want to use Pokemon to 
control the whole world and because they know that their powers are so infinite that they can pretty much kill everybody with just one attack and say, Dear God, use whatever entire universe destroyed in one move and and then when you keep reading the Pokedex entries about how a Pokemon was born out of misery or whatever or they say that an ancient Pokemon can change your own emotions and feelings. You keep reading into that and you're like, wow, for a game that is all about catching little creatures, there's a lot going on that at first you don't notice it, but when you notice it, it's like a, it adds a layer of depth to the whole series if you think about it. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, why, why, why do you think there's so many conspiracy theories, horror stories, um, uh, predictions about Pokemon? Why do you think there's that? Because there's an element, element of mystery that really keeps the series going. I mean, a lot of people don't notice and say, ah, it's just, it's just Pokemon, it's just a silly game, but, but fans that are really into it understand what I'm saying because just do a quick search online on 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 Pokemon memes and you you are going to find a lot of things about the story. Like, did, did I even need to mention the infamous conspiracy theory about killing Gary's Radicate? Oh, I love that. I mean, that's a great one. Yeah, I fr- that's a that's a great story. I mean, at first I didn't believe it, but then I saw gameplay footage of Pokemon Red and Blue. And how the dialogue went along and said, holy shit, we killed a Pokemon. Uh, we didn't realize it, but we killed a Pokemon, and we may have completely destroyed this guy's life forever. And he's a little boy, an orphan, and with, a, with just a grandparent, and the grandparent prefers the main character over his own grandson. Think about it. Oh no, we, yeah, Red destroyed Blue's life, like, Way early on. Like, there, there's a reason you guys are rivals. Do you guys ever get depressed when you beat, like, the, uh, when you finally beat your rival in the Elite Four? Like, do you feel really bad for him, and do you kind of look at yourself as the bad guy for a minute? No. Like, I... He, no, no. He, when I've, well, here's the thing also. I, I've been nuzlocking forever, and Gary in slash blue slash whatever people call him, is the, like the only guy who's ever killed anyone on my team. So I never feel bad. I'm like, he des- he deserved it. He deserved it. He deserved to get beaten down. Like, you still realize that there was this little part of him that at least believed he was someone's friend, like your friend. Yeah, I agree, he, because um, he did his own journey. He did his own training. He lost a Pokemon that he really loved, and... That's when he started to realize how delicate the fabric of existence really is. And then he started to process all of that. And then at the very end, he started saying, Oh, well, Kerry, you tried. Uh, just remember that you did well. Uh, you can continue with your journey, blah, blah, blah. He said, No, you suck. I hate you. I regret you. I resent you. I don't, I don't want to be your grandfather anymore. He's my new grandkid. Fuck you. Go to die. But you killed his Raticate. Wow. That just got real. <laughs> um, 
I I mean I I was I don't think that he should be that harsh, but wow, I mean he did kill my Pidgeotto, so he did kind of deserve it. Yeah, well, it, it was it was vengeance. It was best served cold. The difference is you just had to release on the high seas. You just had to release your Pidgey though. He had to bury his Pokemon. He had to grieve hey, for I... weeks at a time. Do you, did you have to do I that? Would, I would have given him a proper burial if there was that option. But instead, I had to put him in a box that just said dead, yeah, which was he, my he ritual. He's still alive in the Pokemon world, just gone in your imagination. That's all it takes to spark the flame of vengeance. <sighs> Moving on! Uh, Alex, I think you're up now? All right. So... I had to think about this one for a long time because when I came into Pokemon, I was around six, right? And I was at that perfect time when all my friends were getting Pokemon. This Pokemon was exploding. My brother had Pokemon. My cousins had Pokemon. And I think part of the reason why I was drawn to it originally was the massive social aspect, which I don't think had been seen in a game before, with the whole link cable, the trading the, uh, as I put it, the duels of strength and wits, which, of back then, there was Mewtwo's, there was eventually the Mews when we found the glitches. But from a personal aspect, in Pokemon, I'm, I can be a ten-year-old, but I can also be the explorer, I can also be the warrior, I can also be the monster tamer, I can also be the world champion, like you were saying before, and I, it, it just felt like it was me in there, like, at 10 years old, what can you do? But in Pokemon, you can do everything. And to fast forward nowadays, I was thinking about this for a little while earlier today. If that holds true, why would I? Because I've been playing for all five generations. Like, I haven't skipped a beat, and I'm 17 years old. Which, again, I don't... It, it's one of those things that I talk to it passionately with, like, three people. But no one else can ever know my secret. And, uh... Nowadays, I think the reason why I play it is for that same level of escape. And it's like it, it hasn't gotten any weaker, even though some say that it's the same game five times in a row. Who says that? Who says that? I'm, I'm going to hit him. Well, a lot of my friends said that way back when Ruby and Sapphire came out. So I can give you names and addresses so that you can go and hit them. Well, Ruby and Sapphire were terrible, so we're just going to move past that. Really? Excuse me, Josh. Well, I have a bone to pick with you. Ruby and Sapphire my favorite generation. No way. My favorite generation. Yeah, I have to agree. 300 hours in Ruby. How? I don't know. How is that Like, Like, Gold, gold and Silver is my yeah. favorite because you had the original 150 plus 100 more perfect amount. That like a very reasonable amount to catch them all in in one game. Plus, you got to go to sixteen gyms, and I, I and then then Ruby and Sapphire came out, and I'm like, I don't even what is this? I don't even know what this is. I don't want it. This is I beat it, but I didn't like it. Well, the post game I will admit in Ruby and Sapphire is probably about as bad as Black and White's. Well, actually, much worse than Black and White's. Yeah, Black and White's issues. There's still places to explore. Sort of. But moving on to that, uh, I think that was the time when, biggest for me, like, even back then, 
all my friends still had it, so we were discovering places. I think the Pokemon had the coolest designs back then. I thought the adventure actually felt like an adventure, and I I just didn't get it as much out of Gold and Silver and Red. And there were a lot of things in that game which were really amazing to me, like the entire mystery of the Reggies. When there, when you discovered this veil, and back before I even used the internet that much, I had no idea what to do, so all my friends were trying to figure it out. And then, they're along those rocks in the ocean, and you find that one break, and it ends up leading to this, like, mass it heard of before. Like, I, d I didn't get any of that in gold and silver. In fact, I wanted a Mewtwo in gold and silver, and they blocked off that dungeon. I still remember that. I'm still angry at Game Freak. But why didn't you just trade it over? Because I didn't have that ability. I, I don't know what to say. <laughs> like, I I don't, like... T tell me what you don't like about Ruby and Sapphire. Uh, didn't you have to beat down this kid who was, like, deathly ill with an undisclosed disease? And, like, after he became champion, you had to beat him? Yeah, but he was still alive. Yeah, but I, I felt terrible. I felt terrible. You didn't have to murder any of his Pokemon. You, you know you know how it was justified how I killed Gary's Raticate? It is not justified to beat down. Didn't he just want to become strong, like a champion, and then you have to, like, beat him? Steven Stone barely had a backstory. Like, like you had to dig deep to sort of appear twice. Yeah, I mean, that's that's true. Uh, but still, felt like a dick. You know what, I'm gonna be honest with you, I had no idea he was he was ill before this. I'm actually kind of sad now. Wait, really? <laughs> I had no idea. I'm pretty sure, like, it was just said, like, they that he was ill and they wanted to send him out on, like, his journey. No, no, it was just kind of like, oh, he's, like, he's sick, but, you know, he wants to go out and be a Pokemon master, so we're gonna let him. I'm looking this up, like, right now. What game is this again? Ruby Sapphire? Oh, yeah, I completely missed out on that one, so I can't comment. Okay. Yeah, he was, yeah, he had a, he had a weak condition, and, and his, his parents were like, I don't think he should do this, so you should keep an eye on him. <laughs> Where is, oh, wait, no, his parents were back <laughs> in uh, one of those smaller towns without yeah. a gym. I just totally forgot about him. Yeah. Um, Ruby and Sapphire's terrible. Moving on. Well, would you actually say that, though? Before we move on, I'm sorry to hold this back for a second, but would you actually say it was compared to the other Pokemon titles? Uh, I think it's the worst Pokemon title, like, from the franchise of Pokemon, not including, like, you know, Pokemon Stadium and all those. Um, I wouldn't say it's a bad game, but I wouldn't say it's a great game. i just say it's a, it's a pretty good game. <sighs> all right. I mean, this is just my opinion. No, I know. Like, it's, it's I'm, I'm still thinking about the Steven thing. Yeah, yeah, a lot of a lot of stuff that was never explained in Ruby Sapphire. So, James, why do you still play Pokemon? <laughs> well, um, I actually just recently started playing Black, or not Black, uh, White, just like you restarted uh, Soul Silver. Yeah. Um. Mo um. Most of the time, what I would do with Pokemon, I'd, I'd get Pokemon in the beginning. I wouldn't normally change later on. Like, I'd, I'd stick with my uh, Pidgey and my Rattata and all those. 
and I would try to keep them until the end because I would get attached to them, kind of like how Ash would with his Pokemon. Um, I've been trying to change that recently, and I I I haven't been able to play a lot of Pokemon because of that because I've been trying to change it. Like I know um, I ended up getting uh, both Diamond and Platinum. Yeah. And with Platinum, I kind of just fell out of it because I was playing it a different way. And I, I think I played through like 40 hours and just set it down. Um, All right. But when I used to play Red and uh, Yellow, and especially Ruby and Sapphire, which are the best. Thank um, you. I yeah. disagree. Moving on. I um, I used to, I, I did that. I kept with the Pokemon I used to, that I got at the beginning, and I tried to bring them up until the uh, end. I was really, I, I tried to emulate the show as much as possible. That's another thing that I wanted to mention earlier that Alex mentioned that that there was a, this whole social phenomenon in Pokemon. One of the greatest things is that um, because Pokemon was so massive way back in the day, uh, you didn't have just the video games. You had the anime, you had the movies, you had the toys, you had the cards, and the great thing is that you will, you will be able to keep talking Pokemon even though you were going talking about the cars or the toys or, or something like that. I thought that was really cool that I made the game a little more special because, yeah, we got Mario, but we didn't get anything else along with it. Pokemon, on the other hand, we got the awesome games and we had the, the, <coughs> the really awesome anime and stuff like that, you know. Yeah. Yeah, when I was a kid, I was into the show and the trading cards way before I was the game. I mean, I I was in, like, kindergarten when all that stuff... That's not true. I was in third grade, I think. I don't remember. I was in something. I, I was somewhere around there uh, when all that first came out. So it was like, that stuff was, like, my childhood. Like, when that movie came out, I was like, this thing is the most beautiful thing I have ever seen. Yeah. That Squirtle is kicking that Machamp's ass, and it's just beautiful. And, like, you know, when we first saw Dunfan, I was like, what is this? What is, what, there is more than 150? This is, like, mind-blowing. It's like when I found out there was more countries out there than just America. It was, it was crazy. Oh, man. Going on a total nostalgia trip, and I apologize. And then you took cute Ash, and everybody cried. That was that was, uh, <laughs> and his tears brought him back to life. Hey, that was a genuinely heartbreaking moment. Have you guys seen the uh, the nostalgia critic on that? I have not. Yeah, I have. He uh, he totally rips apart the movie from the perspective of someone who's never seen or played anything Pokemon ever. It, it's it's just wonderful. Yeah. I'm not sure if I ever want to see that. Don't. It, it's a pretty fun watch. Don't. But okay. Uh, well, I mean, uh, we are almost out of time, but if everyone would like to go around and say what their favorite Pokemon is, and just a quick reason why, and we, we probably won't attack each other with this. Uh, I'll go first. I mean, mine is uh, Scizor. I love it. It's a, it's a wonderfully badass Pokemon. And with fire being its only real weakness, it's amazing to have on your team. And, I mean, just, you know, the classic uh, choice band, Bullet Punch, hard to beat. I actually really agree with that. I actually, 
Scizor, one of my favorite Pokemon for a while. Yeah. And what is it now? Uh, it. I have two. Like, I, I don't want to be that guy, but I'm going to be that guy. Umbreon, because of how in Silver and Gold, I raised it from an Eevee without any knowledge of how to, uh, like, increase the friendship. So by level 55 or 56, I ended up with a horrible Umbreon. And it, it just became, like, it became the game for probably 20 to 30 hours more. But nowadays, since I've been playing a little bit more competitively, my favorite Pokemon is Slaking. Because of how much of a total beast he is, and how my actual competitive team is developed around him, called the Sticking Crew. Which sets it up with a bunch of beatdown Pokemon, like, uh, Garrett Laking just comes in and completely cleans and up. And he's also, like, one of the goofiest Pokemon I've ever seen. Like, I love him, but he's a goofball and a half. Uh, Pedro? Okay, mine is really basic and a little bit predictable, but I have to go with Bulbasaur. I know that right now, a lot of people seem to hate Bulbasaur as a starter, but for me... The reason that I got into Pokemon in the, in the first place was because I saw an episode of the anime which involved Bulbasaur um, trying to avoid this ritual where the Bulbasaur would go to the secret garden and a Venusaur would come out and they would start this ritual where everybody turned into an Ivysaur and Ash's this Bulbasaur was like, no, I'm not going to change, I'm going to stay a Bulbasaur forever, and I thought that was so cute that when I bought the game, Pokemon Red, the first Pokemon that I picked was uh, Bulbasaur, and I trained it all the way to the end, and then I moved, it, moved the character to Pokemon Gold and Silver, and then on the Pokemon Stadium game, so that, co- that Bulbasaur was my Pikachu, so I don't care what anybody says about how he's weak against fire, or how... It's better to have a water type or a fire type early on. I don't care. I love my Bulbasaur. Well, Pedro, to your credit, Bulbasaur was hands down the best starter in the generation, at least from a single-player standpoint. Like, everyone chose Squirtle because when you play Pokemon for the first time, you're convinced that that's the one that has no weakness because you wouldn't put together that the grass would take down the water. And, and it doesn't. But, uh... Uh, th- those who choose Charmander because he's the coolest looking, they're in for they're in for a mess. The first two gyms. All right, uh, James. Um, mine is a really basic Pokemon, uh, Pidgey. Really? <laughs> yeah. I, well, I would love to hear the reason. It's one of those Pokemon that I always stick with. Um, I for one, I love Pidgeotto and Pidgeot. They're hands down my favorite flying Pokemon. Even though there are better ones out there. I, I really love them, especially from the show when Ash, um, when his Pidgeotto evolved into a Pidgeot. I was it was my one of my favorite shows and my favorite moment in the show. Uh, that was that was a great moment. Yeah. I was really uh. sad that he left in the. Yeah, I was like, what the hell? You finally got a Pidgeot, and you're letting him go. Have all the birds left in the series so far? Uh, probably. Like whenever he gets a new one, because I'm pretty sure it's happened more than once. In all honesty, I stopped, like, after Johto. <laughs> like, I have not watched that in years. I usually try an episode, like, every new generation to see if it gets any better. And it always ends up being the exact opposite. 
Like, I mean, I watched I watched the movies a, little, a while back for a feature we did, and that was fun. Like the new ones too. Yeah, I mean, I watched the uh, the Diamond and Pearl movies, all three of them, and it was they they were pretty fun. They were fun movies. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I was, they were just they weren't as good as the first one in any respect, but still. I disagree, Bob. Let's move on. <laughs> well, I think that's about it. Uh, any any closing statements from anyone? No, pretty good talk though. Ruby and Sapphire are the best games. We will debate this later. We will... This this is not over by a long shot. I agree. Alright, uh, well, that's it with from us in this little Pokemon corner. Uh, have a great day. Later. Bye. Zachary Miller, what up? and also a friend of mine, Mike Hughes. How's it going? Um, now we're going to talk about the Super Scope, which I've recently acquired off of eBay, in, uh, I guess, a little potential hope for its 15th anniversary, which is occurring at the end of February. Mm-hmm. Um, and, we, should, uh, we should do a site feature about that. Um, we, we, we just might, you know. We, we just might. And in addition to talking about the Super Scope, we're just going to do a little bit of a traditional What You've Been Playing segment. Um, but let's start off with the Super Scope. Let's do um, it. The games that I have for the Super Scope right now that Mike and I tried out last night. Um, we have the Super Scope 6, which uh, technically has six different games, but really it's just broken up into two. There's um, Laser Blazer, which if you played WarioWare, Game Boy Advance, like I have recently, there is a, uh, a micro game in 8 volts world. Uh, is a laser oh, player, yeah. basically. It's where you're, like, shooting down missiles. There's yep. also two other modes in that, too. And then there's Blastress, which is fucking horrendous. <laughs> um, it's basically, like, Super Scope-controlled Tetris and Columns. There's also, a, a like, a Mole Patrol one that's, like, um, Whack-A-Mole. But you're shooting them with a bazooka. <laughs> um, so the Super Scope 6 kinda sucks. Um, <laughs> if I were a kid and I got that thing with just a Super Scope 6, I would you know, question the world. There are other good games on Super Scope, like Yoshi Safari, which I've is basically like to play that. It's like a first-person shooter game with with Mario and Yoshi. It's kind of awesome, nice. especially like they have the text in the beginning. It's I believe it's the first game to refer to Princess Peach as Princess Peach. Really? Yeah. Um, oh. It came out in or at least refer to her as that in North America. Yeah. It came out in ninety, I think ninety four maybe. Or 93, yeah. I'm not sure exactly. It was pretty quick after the Super Nintendo came out. Yeah. But, um, it's kind of funny because, like, Peach is like, you need to help this other land. And then you just have this, like, this 2D, this, like, this, like, you know, Super Mario World-esque graphics where it's just Mario riding Yoshi and he's holding a bazooka. <laughs> also, she needs jewelry. Yeah, yeah. That's You're premise. going to jewelry land. That's the That's premise what it of the is. adventure. And uh, it's a command from Princess Peach. Yeah, she's like, I, you need to go to Jewelry Land right yeah. now. 
And then the levels are kind of like just rail shooter stuff. Um, you're on the back of Yoshi. You uh, see, like, Yoshi's head in the bottom of the screen. If you shoot him in the head, then he gets a little, like, X mark on it and gets sure. mad at you. <laughs> um, you can jump in the air, which sometimes you have to do to, like, avoid fire or jump over obstacles. That's all the second player can do. Yeah. There's <laughs> a co-op mode, too, where the second player can basically just move Yoshi left and right, duck, and jump, and that's, that's it. That's the girlfriend mode. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's basically, it's kind of funny, at least if you, if you look at what Nintendo's been doing with, like, Galaxy and stuff, where it is kind of, you know, it's it's that co-star mode. Yeah. Which is kind of funny. It is funny. Um, there's also the Koopalings are in this, and they're usually in, oh, like, mechs. Nice. Except for Wendy O, who just pops out of pipes. <laughs> Stupid girls. <laughs> um, but it's a it's a really cool game. Like I was kind of surprised at that kind of how much fun it was. It it does get kind of repetitive because you're basically fighting the same stuff over and over, yeah. and it's just a rail shooter. But I mean, as what it is is a part of history. It's cool. Yeah, it's definitely a fun game. Yep. It's own right. Uh, I love how uh, accurate the super scope is. Yeah. How old the technology. I mean, it does have like a sensor bar thing, sort of. I don't really know exactly how it works. I don't understand it at all. Yeah, I've, yeah. Always, I've <laughs> always thought it was kind of the Super Nintendo version of this, the gun, the light gun. I think it's, I think it's like a hybrid of that. Well, yeah. And that, like, it, it, it does seem to use that kind of like the, the light stuff that the zapper does. I mean, I could be completely wrong in this, and feel free to correct me because I'm probably wrong. But it also does have like this 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 receiver box thing that you put on top of the TV, huh. yeah, which calibrates it. Yeah, and I think also what does help out is that at the beginning of every game, it you know asks you to like shoot a bullseye in the middle of the screen, and that kind of makes it where the center is. So yeah. it probably just goes around to that too. Huh. But I mean, it does it does work pretty well. And I, I mean, I made the crack last night that I was like, this is better than the Wii Remote. <laughs> in some respects, it is. <laughs> yeah, it's it's more accurate. It's it's just incredible how accurate it is. Yeah, and I mean it's a I'm pretty sure it's a Gunpei Koi joint. So um, it was one of the last big hardware things that he made. Sounds like virtual. It board. sounds like it. From what you're describing, it almost sounds like you know early Wii technology. Yeah, or I mean I I feel like that because it would have been a what a ten year gap. Well, I mean, they could have more, more than that. More than like, that. hey, we kind of did this already with the super scope. Let's just yeah. make that better. Yep. But actually, I don't think it's the 15th anniversary. I think it's more than that. It's some sort of anniversary. I think it's actually 20. Hey. I think about it. I've been saying 15, man. <laughs> it's not 2007 anymore, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, 2007 was awesome. I don't actually, was it? Was it really that awesome? It was yes. good. That's what I thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is that is when Mike and I became friends. I think, I mean, in the video game world, I guess like Galaxy came out. Yeah. We got Metroid Prime Three. Um, yeah. The DS probably had some good games. Maybe not that early. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, the other game that we played, which actually I think Mike played more of this than I did, and that's Battle Clash, which is, I mean, the game that I usually hear whenever people talk about the Super Scope, which is kind of like just like a mech battling game. So, Mike, what did you think of Battle Clash? I actually only played uh, a single level of it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think well, it got harder as you went on, because another one of my friends actually played like the first couple bosses, and it seemed to get more challenging as you went on, but the first boss did kind of seem like a joke. Yeah, it was quite easy. Um, it was fun. You had this this big there mech enemy in, in front of you, and uh, you just kind of went 
left and right on the screen. You had to aim and shoot them, and wasn't very challenging. That's why I only got through one level. I assume the rest of the game would follow suit. But uh, the highlight for me was the dialogue. I mean, yeah, it's, like, it's, it's got some good, like, cheesy 90s-era dialogue. I mean, if Dragon Ball Z American dialogue <laughs> would be demoted, you know, to a lower class of, uh, <laughs> you know, age demographic, <laughs> it was like, I am so annoyed that you beat me. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like a big monkey man, too, which seems to go with the Dragon Ball Z thing even more. Yeah. But I know Battle Clash is a sequel, uh, Metal Combat Falcon's Revenge, which is supposedly better, but I'm waiting on that from eBay right now, so I cannot speak to its quality, but I assume that it is better than Battle Clash because it is its sequel, and people say it's better on the internet. Oh. But uh, the final game, which I believe I was the only person to play, which is Tinstar, which uh, we were looking up before the show, was made by Software Creations, who made Solstice, Equinox... Um, the, the Spider-Man and Venom beat-em-ups, Maximum Carnage and Separation Anxiety. Nice. Um, they also have crap, they made another game, but I'm forgetting what it is. Oh, oh, Plock was Plock. another game that they made. Uh, <laughs> a British development studio that then got overwhelmed by acclaim and ended up dying. But oh. Tinstar is this pretty novel game where it's, I mean, it's like a hybrid of just like, kind of like a, I mean, not really a rail shooter, as like, usually it's like, um, you have a fixed view and it pans left and right, and that's from the first person perspective. But then they also have levels where it's like a side scroller, and it's basically wherever you point on the screen and shoot, like your character will animate and shoot in that direction. And it's this kind of like weird, like robot western style. Um, your uh, your horse's name is Aluminum, <laughs> and it's also got a lot of other great dialogue in it. Um, and there's like a robot with a mustache and stuff. Nice. <laughs> But I'd say Tin Star is, is an unsung hero of the Super Scope. Um, and it's kind of sad that it didn't really go anything farther than that. Although it was Nintendo published. So that's kind of cool. Um, and that's pretty much, uh, we've just gone over everything that Nintendo ever did for the Super Scope. <laughs> Which I think was more of, I mean, as I played it more, there seemed to be, like, more of a reason for it existing. Right. But as far as I'm concerned, it just kind of seemed like, okay, we need to get this out here to compete with, like, the Genesis Menacer and stuff like that. But, yeah. Yeah. And that's a super scope. Sweet. It's kind of cool. It's kind of novel. And I, I wish they would bring some of those games to Wii in some is it, fashion. Is it sturdy? What do you mean? Like the actual like bazooka itself? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't feel like it's going to break. There's a sight that you have to take off, like if you're going to put it over your right shoulder or your left shoulder, which I feel like I'm going to break that, but I haven't yet. No. Because no. sometimes you have to like kind of jam it off. Mm. But... Yeah, that's Super Scope. It's kind of cool. That sounds um, cool. Yeah, and also, uh, last night when we were hanging out together with uh, me, Mike, and a couple of other friends, we played some other Super Nintendo games, like Bill Ambeer's Combat Basketball. Oh, my God. <laughs> which, is, which is horrendously bad. It's a Hudson basketball game that stars Bill Ambeer, who was this dude who played for the Detroit Pistons and kind of was just like a bad boy and an enforcer. So he crafted, uh, well, I don't think he personally crafted, but Hudson made this game. That basically is like this uh, this dystopian future where basketball is played by robots and Bill Lambeer. Nice. And, like, you know, it's like, you know, you're fighting each other. But the game is from the top-down perspective. Oh. And it almost looks like you're controlling frogs. I mean, the robots <laughs> are Laffy Taffy pink and purple colored. Yes. Um, and the way you play is you you have the ball, and, and if you're on defense, you're trying to push or shove 
the other players. You literally, it's like you're tackling them, but the animation makes them out to look like they're leaping frogs. That your frogs just leaping over each other. Nice. And uh, I mean, it moves at an incredibly slow pace. My friend Joe made the remark that his thumb was hurting from just pressing the D-pad down so hard because he <laughs> wanted it to go faster. And it's hilarious because when you get the ball out of bounds and you only have about two players on the screen and nothing's moving, you actually see this, the frame rate get a lot smoother. And you're like, oh, this was the intended frame rate. And then as soon as you put the ball into play, everything goes down about 20 frames. <laughs> it never gets back up there. <laughs> but, I mean, like it's, it's a one-button basketball game. Oh, yeah, one-button. You use the D-pad to move around, and then the B button, you know, you like if you're moving with the D-pad and you hit the B button, then you pass. But if you're mo- if you're not moving with the D-pad and you hit the B button, then you shoot. Yeah. Like it really, it's like there are what five other buttons you could have used on the the controller, and you only use one. Like it's hilariously bad. Mm. But yeah, that's Bill Ambeer's Combat Basketball. Um, I got that off of uh, the interwebs yeah, somewhat such recently. I mean, I mean, it seems so ridiculous, but then it's just that terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing that we played, uh, which we played a little bit for the first time in a while for both of us, Star Fox for Super Nintendo, nice. which I actually have to admit that after kind of playing Star Fox 64 3D recently and playing Star Fox Super Nintendo, Star Fox Super Nintendo is pretty janky. I love it to death still. The music is fantastic. But, I mean, it's it's kind of hard going back to that after a while of playing other Star Fox games. Yeah, uh-huh. but I still adore it. Um, it's hard as shit if you try to go for the the harder difficulty, like Mike and I stupidly did when we played it. I'm surprised <laughs> I got as far as I did when I started playing on my own. Cause I, the last time I played that game, I think uh, I didn't know how to read yet. Because <laughs> I I remember thinking that the characters just talked nonsense. You know, I didn't understand well, that there do. were letters that made you know well, sense of their their bella 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 and such. But uh. I haven't played the 64 game recently. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it held up pretty well for me. It's it's definitely a little clunky. You're not exactly sure where the shots are going to make contact with your yeah. ship and such. But um, I, I still adore the, that I game. remember the pop-up being particularly bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's rough around the edges, but still, I mean, the music really makes that game. Yeah. It's something that they haven't really been able to nail in a future Star Fox game. Yeah. But um, the other game that we did play a little bit was the original F-Zero, which, <laughs> I mean, that's another janky Mode 7 game, but, uh, I mean, I, I enjoy that game from time to time. It's no F-Zero X, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah that game is unforgiving. Have, have you guys <laughs> played uh, Maximum Velocity? I've or played not, it recently. I'm sorry, not Maximum Velocity, not that not that shitty GBA game. I mean the GameCube game. Oh, uh, yeah, I love, I love F-Zero GX. I mean, it's yeah, hard as hell, too. but it's really oh, good. Have you ever played that, Mike? I played it a little bit for a short time. I think I had rented it many years ago. Uh, I was very amused with the cutscenes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, the story mode is hysterical. It's very plot-driven. So <laughs> um, but that, that game is so hard. But I love F-Zero X. That's my, my favorite entry in the series. I feel like, you know what, I have I have ten Wii Buck points that I got for Christmas. I sp- well, I actually have 1,200 because I got 800 on Mega Man X. Uh, and then, even though I have Mega Man X a hundred different ways, um, <laughs> I've been looking for a game to get on. I, I won an N64 game because I barely have any. Maybe I'll get F-Zero uh, uh, X. Yeah. I mean, if you ever have the opportunity to uh, get some friends together and play X-Cup, it's gold. Okay. 
I'm a big I'm a big fan of X Cup. That's pretty much why I love F Zero X because it just gives you random tracks after random tracks, and yeah. it just works so well. Especially when like you get the like the like cruel, cruelly designed ones, <laughs> where it's just like the race starts, everyone goes really fast, and there's just a right uh, like a, a ninety degree right hand turn, and then everyone falls off and dies. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how it works. Probably right after our mandatory speed boost. Yeah. As well. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what, what we played kind of recently. Um, so, Zach, what have you played recently? Well, uh, aside from uh, Resident Evil Revelations, I've, I haven't played that many console games. I've been using my PS3 a lot to watch Venture Brothers um, <laughs> Season 4, which is awesome. Uh, but I... On a lark, I was at the PSN store and I saw that one day, two weeks ago, they had the HD remake Earthworm Jim made by Gameloft on sale for like two ninety nine. I was like, "All right, I'll bite that." And uh, I like the original Earthworm Jim a lot. And man, this HD remake is just as good, uh, if not better. The graphics are totally redone. Um, the backgrounds are even better looking. Um, man, it's a good game. I mean, yeah, there are some shitty levels, but man, it's a good game. And there yeah, are new yeah. levels. They made new levels with multiplayer, which I oh, haven't wow. been able to try, but holy crap. Um, I mean, I always enjoyed that game as a kid. I mean, if not for anything more than just a sense of humor. And the music's great. Yeah. Because that's, so, um, Tommy Tallarico, I think, did the music for that. Oh, Okay. And then um, I I know that the Simpsons arcade game supposedly came out on Tuesday or, or Thursday, but I haven't seen it on the PSN yet. I think it might not be out on PSN until next week. It came out on uh, XBLA. Oh, we okay. actually uh, downloaded the demo last night and played it. I mean, it's the Simpsons arcade game, for better or worse. Yeah. Does, it, does it hold up at all? Probably not. Uh, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> I mean, it's one of those beat-em-ups where, like, you know, there's the form, the warm, fuzzy nostalgia, and then after that kind of wears off, you're like, wow, I'm just hitting jump or attack or jump and attack. <laughs> over and over they, again. They do have, because uh, we had we had two other people over, so we were playing the four-player, and there are the, the fun, like, the team attacks where, like, Homer and Marge, like, roll into a ball. Oh, Marge I forgot will, like, about throw that, the yeah. kids or, um... Like, uh, Bart and Lisa will, like, spin around together. I mean, it's kind of weird, because you think about it, that came out in, like, 1991. Right. The Simpsons was only on the air for, like, two or three years at that point. Yeah, that's true. And, I mean, it's, like, it's one of those things, um, I was actually, uh, talking to, uh, Jules Watchum of, uh, Renegade Kid, who, the guys who made Mutant Muds, and I noticed on his, like, his resume that he actually worked on South Park Chef's Love Shack, <laughs> which is another similarly like, designed game where it was, you know, that came out a year or two after South Park started. Right. And, you know, 15 years later, South Park is still around. And it's just like, when you work on that kind of game, do you think that, do you think that, like, South Park is still going to be around in 15 years? Or The Simpsons are are going to be, like, the, you know, the longest-running TV show ever and still be around in 25 years? Like, yeah. that's crazy to think about when you have all these, all, all these video games come out that are based off of licenses, most of which die. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe I'll get the demo, because cause I really only, when I was little, I could only get past the first two levels. Yeah, I think the the demo probably on PS3 will probably be the same as XBLA, where it's just the first stage. But you can yeah. play it with up to four people. That's fine. Yep. But yeah, I think that's uh, that's all we got to talk about, I yeah. think. <laughs> so, uh, 
Yeah. Um, talk to you guys later. Bye, everybody. And that will do it for this week's episode of Connectivity. Thank you very much for listening. As always, you can send us listener mail to connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com. And as I always ask, if you have a moment to spare, if you could please rate and review us on iTunes, we would greatly appreciate it. So uh, thanks, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.